Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus. Do life together, get in the game and leave a legacy. If this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith, subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it too. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. So we are in part four of our series, Pray Like Jesus. The first week, Isaiah talked about praying God's will. It's one way we pray like Jesus. We also talked about the second week, I said how prayer is practical. Last week, Carrie did an incredible job talking about if we're going to pray like Jesus, we pray with persistence and from a place of privilege. If you have not heard these sermons, I would encourage you to jump on one of the platforms, Spotify, iTunes, um, YouTube, or something like that, and check those sermons out. But today I want to talk to you, if we're going to pray like Jesus, we got to understand that prayer is diverse. Prayer is diverse. Would you write that word diverse in the comment section? You know, one of the things that we see in Jesus's life by observing him is that Jesus had a lifestyle of prayer. Jesus did not have a prayer life, sort of how most of the time Christians say like, how's your prayer life doing, right? And we kind of separate and compartmentalize our prayer life from our just Jesus following life. And what you see in Jesus's life is he did have separate times of prayer. You know, it says consistently that Jesus got away from the crowds and prayed, but we also see Jesus also had a lifestyle of prayer. And what, you know, and, and what we've got to see is that Jesus did not have a prayer life. Jesus had a lifestyle of prayer. And that's what today, as we look in and dive in and see that prayer is diverse, my prayer is that you just wouldn't have a prayer life, but you would have a lifestyle of prayer. One of the things that Scripture tells us to do that Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it simply says this, and this is the whole verse. This is actually the second shortest verse in the whole Bible right behind Jesus wept. Paul was encouraging the church he planted in Thessalonica. That's why the book is called, the, uh, is called 1 Thessalonians. It was the first letter he wrote to them. He said simply this in chapter 5, verse 17. He said, never stop praying. I don't know about you, but I can read that and be like, uh, you know, when, when I'm driving, it's probably not good to close my eyes. It's probably not good to, you know, it's, it's like when I'm having a meeting with a boss or something like that, or I'm talking, it's probably good to maybe stop praying and kind of just like engage. But here's the thing. I believe if we see how diverse prayer is, and if we sometimes get past the uh, the, the possible boundaries and boxes that we put prayer in and we see how diverse prayer is, we can actually do what Jesus did and have a lifestyle of prayer, but also to obey what Paul said to never stop praying. And that is the goal today, is I want to help you and show you how not just from Jesus's life, but just how life in general, we can have a lifestyle of prayer and we can obey, never stop praying. But that all begins by knowing how diverse prayer is. Now, let's just be candid here. You have a certain way that you think prayer should 
be. And that is probably shaped and formed by a lot of different things, but probably the kind of church you grew up in, the kind of relationship with God you've had. Like I know me personally, I grew up in a really Pentecostal church, so prayer was loud and boisterous and public. And the longer the prayer was, the better the prayer was. Uh, you know, it, it, was it wasn't very formal. It was very informal. It was just very emotional and and, and, and that is the way growing up that I kind of thought prayer should be. And when I didn't see people praying like that, I almost got a judgmental spirit. It's like, oh, they're just being religious because they're being more quiet. They're using fewer words. They're being very formal. And what I've come to realize is that just because I grew up in a certain kind of way of church or a certain kind of seeing how people pray, that, that doesn't mean that other styles, other forms, other ways that people pray are wrong. The truth is this. I have been shaped and formed to think about prayer in a certain way. Just, just, you know, just think about this. If you grew up Catholic, if you grew up Presbyterian, if you grew up in a more laid back style of church or denomination or, or religious back, or possibly you didn't even grow up praying or even seeing people pray, right? Like we can sometimes get, get into this prayer is very quiet. It's very formal. It's, it's just kind of you and God. You never pray in public. You always give unspoken prayer request, you know, it's, it's just like you can, here's the, here's the thing, we can be either or people. We can be either or people. We can be, well, this is the way that, that I grew up doing it. This is the way that, that I've seen people, people do it. And we can get locked into thinking, especially about prayer. The prayer is an either or thing. And what do we do? When we do that, we take away the fact that prayer is a lot more diverse than what you have experienced. Prayer is so much more diverse than just your experience. But this whole either or thinking, people do this with God. Let's just be candid, right? Think, think about this. People can sometimes label God. God's just a God full of grace. He's so full of grace. And, and there's a whole branch of Jesus' followers that just harp on the fact that Jesus is just grace. Like he's cool. He, he's cool with whatever you do. He's cool with whatever lifestyle you live. He's like, it, he's just all about grace, which the truth is that that is true. Like God is so full of grace. Yes. But then you've got this sort of just like other side, this kind of like this, this either or side that is like truth. It's like, no, Jesus, you know, God, Jesus, not just got a, of 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 grace like he's he's truth like he what he says he is the way the truth and the life and you got a whole style brand of jesus followers they're they're like it's not grace it's it, it's truth and and that can come across harshly but here's the thing it's not either or jesus god is not is not just a god of of grace or truth he's a god of grace and truth and we see this in john Eight, whenever the woman was caught in adultery, we can see he told her, do I condemn you? No. She got caught in the act of adultery. And it says that he, he saw her and he said he did not condemn her. He said, do I condemn you? No. But then he said, go and sin no more. He said, I give you grace, but let the grace lead you to the truth of what my standard is and of what my best is. We've got to get out of the box of thinking about God and also thinking about prayer as either or and start seeing beauty in the both. Because there's beauty in the both. And here's the thing. One of the things that we say at LifeHouse that, that here's the thing, my staff will tell you I am big on is not either or, it's both and. 
instead of pitting two sides against each other, let's see the beauty in both and say both in. And that's what I want to do today, to help you see how diverse prayer is so you don't get in this either or thinking and box in prayer. I want you to see how diverse prayer is. Now, here's the thing. I got 12 ways prayer is diverse. I can't give you all 12 today. And I'm not going to do that to you because this would be like a two-hour sermon. So let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you six ways the prayer is diverse today and six ways prayer is diverse next Sunday. So I need you to join in next Sunday as well. This is going to be the first part. Next week is going to be the second part. Six this week and six next week. If you are ready for the first six, type in the chat section, I'm ready and we're going to go. All right. So prayer is diverse. Let me tell you this. First off, prayer is diverse because it's spoken and unspoken. Like I used to think the best prayers are kind of, is just those that speak it. And I would almost judge those that were like, I've got an unspoken prayer request, <laughs> right? You, you would always have those people. You, you would always have those people that would give you unspoken prayer requests. And like, oh man, it's like, you know, come on. They're just scared to say it. But honestly, prayer is not just spoken. Prayer is also what you speak in your heart that doesn't come out in words. And there's this one example in, in Scripture, in 1 Samuel 13, 1, about this woman of God named Hannah. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse number 13. Hannah was Samson's mother. And she says, Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Here's the thing. Prayer is not just what you say with your, it's not just words you can say spoken. It could also be things that you say from your heart that are unspoken, but God still hears. I mean, think about that. You know, it's just, it's just like sometimes, and, and I don't know about you, but I've got stuff going on and there's just times where I just kind of whisper prayers from my heart to God. And the thing is, that is prayer and God hears that. It's not just what we say. It's, un, it's spoken and also what is unspoken. But also, too, one of the things I love doing is writing prayers. If you've never tried this, if you've, if you've never done this, I want to say don't knock it until you've tried it. One of the best ways to pray is by writing down your prayers. I love doing this. Why? Because then you have a written account of what you have, of what you have asked God for or what you have heard from God. And then you can go back and you can say, man, let me see what God spoke to me. Let me see what prayers I prayed days ago, weeks ago, years back. And then you can, I can tell you, you can go back and you can see how faithful God was in the prayers you prayed to answer what you asked for. One of the ones I've, I've got, it was probably a couple years back, I was cleaning out our garage and I found a prayer journal from when I was 19 years old. Now I'm 37 years old now, so I know I don't look it. I just, you don't gotta, you know, no, I don't really look 37, but I, you know, just, 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 just think 19, 37, that was 18 years ago. Uh, well, actually, I found it when I was like 30, 35. I can't do math. I'm a pastor. It is what it is, right? <laughs> but um, here's the thing, right? I went back and I looked in my prayer journal from when I was 19 years old. 
And this is right when I was, this was actually my first day at Bible College in Hagerstown, in Hagerstown Maryland. And I was there in this brand new place. I felt God call me, call me I, I had felt God call me there. I never even heard of Hagerstown, Maryland. I just felt that God built this drawing to Hagerstown, Maryland. And the first day in Bible College, I wrote a simple prayer. I said, God, let me build relationships here that will last a lifetime. It's just a simple prayer because I was like, God, I believe you sent me here. I believe you've got something for me here. I'm not sure why, but God, let me build friendships and relationships that will last a lifetime. And y'all, I don't have time to dive into all of the complexities or just all of the ways that God has shown that to be true. But let me simply say this, Lifehouse Newport News would not be here without the relationships that I started, formed, and built while in Hagerstown, Maryland. It was crazy. While I was in Hagerstown, I got, a, I got partnered with this crazy church planner named Patrick Grash, who started a church called Lifehouse, who through helping him plant his church, Lifehouse Church in Hagerstown, Maryland, when I, when I was 19 years old and 20 years old, that was the starting point to where then 15 years later, that church was helping to plant this Lifehouse in Newport News. And I had no idea that when I was 19 years old, helping to start Lifehouse Church in Hagerstown, I was actually pouring into the same church that would eventually plant this church. Like, it's insane to see that prayer written down and to go back and be like, God answered it. He just didn't answer. Like, he blew my mind. And, and y'all, here's the thing. That is the, that is the diversity and power of prayer. Of It doesn't always have to be spoken. It can be unspoken. It can be written down. Don't take prayer and just put it into some compartmentalized thing. We just think it's got to be spoken. It's unspoken and spoken. We got to move on, right? We got five more to get to. Secondly, prayer is formal and informal. Depending on what kind of religious tradition or background you grew up in, for some of you, prayer is super formal. God, Lord in heaven, I beseech thee in the mighty, matchless, wonderful name. And, and really, it's like you almost feel like you've got to go through these formalities before you can even go to God in prayer. Before you can even pray to him, you think there is this whole confession, repentance, I mean, you know what I'm saying? To, to where it's like even before you get to the point where you're like saying, God, I need help or God, I receive from you. It's like you've got to go through, through this formality. To, to get to that one. Is that bad? Absolutely not. But then you got some sides that say, man, God's like a friend, man. I just talk to him like I talk to my son or I talk, like I talk to a friend. What's up, Jesus? How you doing? You my dog. You my man. I mean, Jesus, you my home. It's just like you've kind of got like two, two different sides that judge each other. And be like, man, when you go to God, you better be more formal. He's a, he is king. He is savior. He is Lord. You better be right when you talk to him. He just ain't no. And then you got some side. Oh, you just, you're just being religious. You just think God is some stuffy old man up on a throne. And the thing is this, right? You got two sides beating each other down when the truth is this. It's both and. I believe prayer is formal and informal. See, because here's the thing. What we see in, in Scripture, God is king. He's Lord. He's Savior. Like, the, He is omnipotent, omnipresent. Like, he, he is so far beyond us. Yet, at the same time, Jesus, Jesus himself said, Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And what Jesus was telling his disciples, like, I'm your friend. You can even see, Abraham was called a friend of God. 
and really too, I believe when we come into relationship with God, we, are, we, are not, we not only get a savior, a king who is powerful, we get a friend who sticks closer, as scripture says, than a brother. To, to where, yes, there's going to be times where you have formal times where you are resting in the bigness, the greatness, the omnipresence, the omnipotency like of God where you are in all. But also, too, there are going to be times where you're, where, where here's the thing, you need a friend and someone to sell home and put their arm around you and say, I'm with you, I'm here, I've been where you're at. And what Jesus calls himself, he's, he says he can sympathize with us, empathize with us because he's been like us. He's that one that comes beside us and says, I've been there, I've done that, I'm with you. It's not either or, y'all, it's both and. And I just think personally, I've got three sons and specifically my oldest son, Jackson, um, We've been talking about this because I want Jackson to know his dad as somebody that he respects. Like he understands the role and the authority I have in his, in his life. I'm dad. Like I'm in charge. Like, like my word is the final word until you leave the house. I want him to know that side of me, but I also want him to know me as his friend so he can know, Jackson, I don't care what you're walking through. I don't care what you're struggling with. I don't care what you did. You can come to me. I'm not going to discipline you first. I'm going to listen first. And if you're candid, if you're honest, if you're real with me, we can walk through anything. That's what I want my son Jackson to know and feel and walk with. And so that is why we're even having conversations now where I'm like, Jackson, look, I want you to respect me, but I also want you to know I am your friend. I, I want to, like, I want to be, I, I, Jackson, I know being a teenager, I mean, he's going to be a teenager soon. Oh my God. Like being a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old and going to live. I mean, there's a lot of things, feelings, questions, desires he's going to have. And I don't want him to go somewhere else with those. I want him to know he can come to me. And that's the way, y'all, I believe we've got to see God. He's powerful. He's awesome. He's to be respected. He's to be honored. But at the same time, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is the one that puts his arm around you and says, I know what you're walking through. I've been there. I've done that. And you can come to me with whatever you have at whatever time you need. I am here. I am the friend that will be there. Y'all, you've got to see prayer as formal and informal. God is, he's king, savior, but he's also friend. And it's like, too, when you've got some, you know, Jackson and I, we chit-chat like all the time. I'm talking about football, talking like there's a lot of informal chit-chat, but then there's formal times of sit-downs, right? Where it's, it's like, yo, Jackson, like we, we got to talk. The way you talk to your mother was, was not cool. Jackson, for the 50th time, take out the trash. You know, it's just like you have sit-downs, but here's the thing. I don't want him to get locked into a certain way. I want him to know you can come to me formally, but also too, man, we're going to be friends. We're going to be informal. We're going to be chit-chatting. And y'all, that is one of the ways we can never stop praying is because we know we got a king that hears us who is powerful, but we also have a friend that is there for us. Prayer is informal and formal. Thirdly, prayer is private and public. Now, I, I, I always thought, pray, you know, the best prayers were the ones that prayed in public. You know, and, and man, you know, those were the ones that were like, man, like, if I could just be like that, if I could just say the words that guy says. You know, if, if I could just, and me, I used to be scared to death praying in public because I stuttered like really, really bad. And like when they would call on me to pray, like I could still think about the feelings that I had. And really, even now, sometimes I can get really nervous praying because, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, because you get into this idea where you have to impress, which is so stupid at the end of the day. 
because God is not concerned with your prayers being impressive. God wants to, like God wants relationship with you. And you don't have to impress God. There's no one that impresses God. So when you go to God, it's not just about, you know, how private and how outward your prayers are, but it's also too, it's private, it's public and it's private. And we can actually see Jesus saying, saying this uh, in Matthew 6, verse 5 and 6. He, he says this, hey, and he's talking to his disciples and also talking to the crowds. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, this is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, I've done say that praying in public's bad, but we've got to also say prayer isn't just public, it's, it's private. But when you pray publicly, make sure you examine your heart to see who you are praying for and praying to. Are you praying to impress or are you praying to God for relationship? And that's why if you have a public you know, role, a public responsibility like I do, like my prayers have got to make sure that I am just not praying publicly so you can see it and you can be impressed. I want my public prayer life, I want my, excuse me, my private prayer life to be just as passionate and real and true when no one is watching instead of just being outward so people do watch and people celebrate that, right? It's, it's, it, it's I know Jesus said, it's not just about public, it's private. And I just want to encourage some, some of you because some of you have, have a bend towards one of those too. Some of you are private and you pray in private and you've got your prayer closet, you've got your war room where you go to prayer. I want to encourage you, don't be afraid to speak up and pray and pray publicly. For those of you who are public prayers, don't you know, you, you need to get private and, and don't just pray in front of people, but get behind the scenes and build your relationship with God who is unseen so you can check your heart and just ensure that when you're praying, you're not doing it so people can see. You're doing it most of all because you have an audience of one and that is God. Prayer is public and private. Next though, people, here's the thing, right? You also got to pray. And this is how diverse prayer is. You got to pray for people you like and people you don't like. Now, when I say praying for people you don't like, I know for sure there's probably one or two people that come into your mind. So I want you to think about them right, right now. Maybe it's a former spouse. Maybe it's a current boss. Maybe it's a friend that has turned their back on you. Maybe it's a certain political figure. The ways, uh, the, the, the kind of people that could pop into your mind could be all over the place. But one of the things you see Jesus saying is you just are not to pray for those you love. You're to also pray for those you struggle with. So you're on the borderline of hating them. <laughs> Let me tell you what Jesus says. Matthew 5, 43 through 47, Jesus said this, You have heard the law say, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the, e to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? 
Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. So what Jesus is saying is one of the ways that, that you even show that you are a Jesus father is the way you treat, love, and even pray for those you don't like. I don't know about you, but I'm convicted because I struggle with this, and I'm sure you probably do too. But the thing is this, right? What I have seen prayer do as I have prayed for those that I might not like or we might, that, 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 that just I struggle with. Prayer is a proactive resistance to hating somebody. Because I believe if you don't pray for somebody, hatred, contempt, contempt will seep into your heart. But praying for them is proactive resistance from hate coming into your heart. Because the truth is, it's hard to hate someone you pray for. So y'all, I want to encourage you, pray for your family. Jesus prayed for his disciples, right? Like he, you heard, he prayed for people that were sick, that needed healing, yes. But at the same time, Jesus also, while he was on the cross, being crucified by people he created, he said, God, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I'm not going to assume nothing, but I almost think that Jesus was praying for them so he would not hate them. He was proactively praying against the possible hatred, anger, and rage that would come up inside of him as he was being crucified by the very people he created. Prayer is diverse because it's not just praying for people you do like. It's praying for those even you don't like. Prayer is not just for people you do like. It's for people you don't like. Number, number five, prayer is long and prayer is short. I think sometimes we think the people that pray the most effective prayers are those that pray the longest. <laughs> right? Those that go on for you know, seconds, minutes, hours. But one of the things Jesus said, he said this, Matthew 6, he said, hey, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans do. <laughs> he said, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father already knows what you need even before you ask. And then he goes into the Lord's Prayer. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's not bad if prayers are long, but don't think prayers are more effective just because they're long. Some of the shortest prayers are some of the most powerful. I think about my cousin Lance. Back when, I don't know, man, I was probably 18 years old. He started to follow Jesus. He was like 16, 17 year, years old, something. And he got asked to pray at this, at, at youth group, you know, in front of a couple hundred kids. And he was sort of just like new believer, didn't really know a whole lot. He comes up there, takes the, takes the microphone, and this was his prayer. He said, Lord, do your thing. Amen. And it was powerful. It was, it was like, yeah, do your thing, Lord. And it was like we all knew what he was saying. He didn't have to say, Holy Spirit, move. Father God, we ask that you would come and heal the sick, restore the broken, heal the, <laughs> save the lost. He said, Lord, do your thing. Amen. And it was powerful. <laughs> it was powerful. It was short, but 
but at the same time powerful. And that's why, y'all, I think we've got to get out of the mindset. Just because the prayer is longer, it's better. Long prayers are not bad. But at the same time, do not throw out or do not discredit short, impactful prayers. One of the prayers that I love praying is one word, Jesus. I can't tell you how many times throughout the day when I'm dealing with the situation or I'm talking with somebody or I'm, I've got a conundrum, I'm confused, I'll just say, Jesus. He already knows what I need. And so when I say Jesus, I'm acknowledging his presence, his power, and I acknowledge that I need his help. And some of y'all, if y'all don't know what to pray, how to pray, some of the most power, one of the most powerful prayer you can pray is Jesus. Do you, <laughs> you know what? Because honestly, when I hear my son say, Dad, I have most of the time I already know what he needs. I know what he needs. But him saying dad is his acknowledgement. Dad, I need you. So y'all, I want to encourage you. If you're starting off in prayer, you don't, you don't know how to pray. The most powerful, one of the most powerful prayers you can pray is Jesus. Prayer is long and prayer is short. Prayer is diverse. Lastly, number six, we're going to close out. Prayer is joyful and sad. I think sometimes we can just always think prayer is happy. It's like, I grew up, you know, it's, it's, it's just like, oh, you know, it's like, sometimes think if you can, it's just always happy. It's, just, it's always got to be, woo like upbeat and happy and, you know, it, it's, but, but what I've seen, man, is that a lot of prayers aren't just, aren't just happy and joyful. A lot of prayers are sad and filled with confusion and pain. And you can see this when you look in scripture, the book of Psalms, which, which is a book of songs, but it's also a book of prayers. You can see the kinds of prayers and the kinds of songs that are prayed and sung in there. And we just, you know, it's not just always happy, Jesus, thank you for all you've done. It's God, why? God, I don't understand. God, I'm confused. God, I'm angry. God, would you hurt this person? Like it's raw emotion. It is, it is them. It's letting what is actually inside of them come out. And I just think if we always think prayer is this happy and just always giving thanks and always being joyful, we will miss a side of prayer that, that, that will help us get to the root of what we're dealing with and what is actually going on. Because one of the things that, that I've seen, we're so good at being fake with God. Because we can sometimes think if we're going to come in prayer, that we have to come in a certain way, a certain place, and kind of like before God hears me, I've got to have three days of doing the right thing. And after I do three days of doing the right thing, then we feel good about ourselves. Then we can go to the Lord in prayer. Let me tell you, that is not, that is not the way it goes, y'all. The Lord is not waiting for you to have three good days and then he'll, he'll, he'll hear you and he'll and he'll be there with you and be there for you. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says this, Let us lay before him, God, what is in us, not what ought to be in us. I love that. It says, let us lay before him, not what should be in us, but what is actually in us. And what is C.S. Lewis saying? What is going on inside? Lay it before God. Don't put up a front. Don't be like, okay, well, I'm coming to God. I got to be happy. Go, hey, God, thank you so much for this day. I'm so happy. Woohoo! Like, and, and you're faking it. Start with where you are. Start with where you are. If you're angry, God, I'm angry. If you're sad, God, why did this happen? Start with where you are. If you're joyful, God, thank you for what you've done. Like, don't start with where you are, not with where you think you should be. 
invite the Lord into the place where you are instead of feeling like you have to be in a certain place and then the Lord will meet you there. Because the good thing, the great thing about God is he will meet you where you are. He will. If you're in pain, he'll meet you in that pain. But here's the thing, the Lord goes where he's invited. He'll go where he is invited. And that's why, pray what you got. If you don't know where to start, pray what you got. If you don't know what words to say, pray what words you got. Don't feel like, well, John, I can't pray for one hour. Then don't. Say, John, I can pray for two minutes. Do the two minute thing, man. Two minutes, don't pray. What you can't, pray what you can. And that's what John Chapman said. Pray, John Chapman, pray as you can, not as you can't. But the truth is this, right? Prayer is not always happy. Like prayers can begin at a place of pain, at a place of confusion, at a place of anger. Invite the Lord there. Let your prayer start there. Don't feel, y'all, get this because some of y'all are in pain, you're angry, you're hurt, you're, you're bitter, and you're almost scared to go to God in that sense because you think he won't hear you. And I'm telling you, God is telling you today, he wants to meet you in that bitterness. He wants to meet you in that place of unforgiveness that you feel. He wants to meet you in that place where you feel anxious and you feel depressed and you feel confused. The Lord wants to meet you there, but he will only go where he's invited. So I wanna encourage you. Some of y'all's prayer life might begin today by inviting the Lord into your pain and you pouring out your heart to God and you getting past this whole thing. Prayer is just always joyful and happy. And I'm sorry, I need to come in. I know. Prayer is joyful and sad. It's times of thanksgiving and times of pain. Invite the Lord into your pain. Y'all, prayer is diverse. Scripture says never stop praying and you can actually live that. If you get out of your box, you get out of either or thinking and you start to see how diverse prayer is. I can only give you six today, but I'm excited to give you six more next week. Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard or said yes to Jesus for the first, second or third time today, please reach out to us at lifehousenn.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next steps in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us online next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at lifehouseonline.com or in person for a live worship service at 8.30 a.m. or 10.15 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Theater in Newport News, Virginia. Visit lifehousenn.com for more information or to reserve your live worship service spot today.